Hey everyone, and welcome to the very first commentary to Tabula Rasa. I am Anna Rodriguez. I directed this, and with me is the brilliant writer Jack Kalk. Jack, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. <laughs> hello, everyone. Um, it sounds like Liza just said hello for me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this this is weird. Oh, this is happening. Mom, someone's hurt. It's exciting. We're we're missing hi. kind of an important Clark. scene. Nathan, this is kind of hi. the start of everything. Um, well, no, stop. We can go over it in a bit. But okay. Anyway, well, we can go over it now. Yes, important scene. Um, we have our main sort of rambling right now. Played uh, Jane, played by uh, Susan Bridges. <clears throat> Well, and we also steps. have uh, Dr. Liza Finch, uh, played by Lynn oh Cullen, God. and her son Keith, played by James Rossi. Over the phone, I think we also have Pete Milan playing Nathan Clark. Hey, whoa, whoa, yep. And we just got Kristen Bays as Lakeisha Morris and Chris Hackney as Rafael Velasquez. Yes. And that's, that's one thing I want to talk about right now. One thing I didn't foresee when creating a character named Rafael Velasquez was all the... Crazy pronunciations that we'd end up giving. Well, yeah. Well, it, that tends to happen with Hispanic names. Yeah. <laughs> Except Rodriguez. I feel like baseball has allowed us all to learn that one. Well, oh, Rodriguez, yeah. Or, you know, if you really want to be specific. Well, not specific, but, you know, if I wanted to correct you, it would be Rodriguez. You know, you have to get the rolling R's in it. But yeah. That aside, here's our theme song. It's yes. Amazing. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, this, I'll, let's talk about that. Um, this is done by a friend of mine named Karina Barroso. Uh, we met in a theater class together, my junior year, her sophomore year of high school. And we were, um, like, she's just like, oh, yeah, I record on my own time. And I'm like, really? And then she posted this song on Facebook, and I'm like, well, I seem to be writing a show that's kind of about this. Hmm. Hey, Karina. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how that happened. And it's an awesome song, and it's, it's, uh, I try to put in the cool parts of the song, and, well, the whole song is cool, uh, but it was really hard to do. Uh, so you should definitely go download it on iTunes. Yes, um, it's, it's very, uh, oh, there's Bruce. Yeah, it's very easy to find. Just go search by her side, Karina Barroso. That's B-A-R-R-O-S-O. Um, and yeah, it's there. It's it's really cool. I like it a lot. She also has another song up there that we may or may not be seeing later down the line. Um, and I understand she's working on more. So we'll see what's uh, we'll see what's going on. Please, awesome. Um, and I know we're into the organized crimes scene, but if we backtrack a little bit, uh, so the show has a monologue. Spoken by Jane. Um, do you want to talk about that? Jack? Uh, I mean, that's just kind of, that was one of my big things when I was originally picturing how the show would work. Because we, um, in terms of original shows, besides the, in the spring of 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt um, thing that you had from Dixie, because, you know, Kingery doesn't have that, Vegas doesn't have that, and I, I always liked that. I think it works. It's got a very Star Trek-y feel, um, and I just, I just thought it was cool. Doctor Who does it too, uh, or did for a season at least. And I don't know. I, I think it's neat. Um, that's going to change season by season, kind of like Dixie, just because the more we learn about Jane, um, this monologue will no longer apply. So, 
Okay, yeah. this is what the report tells us. So Velasquez this was uh, the most complicated Velasquez, scene in the script, uh, uh, directing-wise. Because phone. you have sorry, the officers and sorry. Jane in organized sorry, crimes, but in the background, which then, you just heard, you know, maybe 20 yes, seconds ago, uh, Thank you. Yeah, Velasquez see. just turned on the TV, and we have Senator Montague giving his uh, political speech. So right? it was really difficult because you yeah. know you wanted uh, we've been thinking the sports bar there was dirty for the speech to be heard, but at the same time the if main dialogue yeah, right yeah, now is between the the, uh, the police officer. So it was just layering this scene was so anyway time-consuming, but I think it, a customer who tried to duck away from I think it came across. It does. It works exactly as it should. One one thing. Really I'm really into is the whole like guns, of course, that she I, I want to have a world happening over the TV and of course, on the phone. You know what I mean? Like the TV's on. It should just be Montague right. kind of talking. So we've got Christian Holdridge will show up from time to time. He's our um, general news anchor person. Yeah. You know, he's our Kathy Rossetti, basically. Genesis Avalon. Uh, no. <laughs> played by Corson Bremer, no, whom I believe is new dependent. Welcome, Corson. Um, you also hear Jesse Cesare, uh, played by Cat Pride, who's Montague's camp manager. And uh, speaking Montague. Of, well, speaking of Montague, that's uh, played by Rick Wolf. Yes, whom I believe is also new. And this buzzing was, ah, so cool. It's a combination of like three or four different sound effects, and on top of that, I, I did some tweaking to them. Um, so for those who aren't realizing what's going on, Jane sort of tuned out everything that's going on presently, and she's sort of, you know, foreseeing danger going on at the press conference. Mm -hmm. We've also got the reporter showing up here. George Pickett, played by Colin Kelly. Uh, James Longstreet, played by uh, Vincent Morrison. And Winfield Hancock, played by Xander Mobis. Um, and I, I was writing this scene as I was learning about the Civil War in U.S. history. So I was just like, oh, well, you know, why don't I name them all after generals of the Battle of Gettysburg? So that's where those names come from. And then that... Oh He's my got God. 30 seconds. <laughs> got to get Just the whole. Oh, the buzzing's gone. Explosion over the television. Um, yeah, it's just it's the one scene. It was the most complicated. It was just the one that took the longest to to put together. But uh, I think it it came Answers. across that you know she was really have having this moment where oh something's up something's wrong about a bomb at a presidential front runner's press now is this Josh Woodward yes here's a bit uh, aside from the theme the uh, first piece of music you hear <sighs> this is uh, not dreaming uh, by Josh Woodward he has really amazing music but I tend to veer towards um, instrumental music when it comes to scoring have listening to mm. it. Uh, and what's nice about Josh Woodward is he, mo like 90% of his songs, he also releases them without the lyrics. Just the instrumental bits. So it makes it really easy to score when I find a song I like. Right. You know, we talk about, uh, in the about section on the site, we talk about how we have a very nice like alternative rock sound. That's mainly because there's two types of music I listen to, and that's theater music and alternative rock. And I'm like, well, theater music isn't going to work for this. No, this isn't a musical. I don't know. There will be no musical episode of this show. Let's make that clear. Yeah. No. Absolutely none. That's what I call eloquent force. 
Um, yeah, and it's also it's the the alternate music. I mean, you heard you know a lot of Josh Woodward in the line, but it was at the same time you didn't get Josh Woodward does have some alternate rock feel to it, and they're. All right, guys, not a, not all our original three. shows Ready? have that alternate feel One, to it, so I think that's what also makes two, Tabula Rasa unique three. in its sound. Now these um, sound effects here that you've got with, with the the pushing guys that wait, was wait. that was Shut excellent. Up, like I was surprised we were able to get Senator. that. Uh, yeah, those are Senator, sound effects because I realized too late. I'm like I could ask you know my friends on twitter hey i need guys, grunts guys, and pushing sounds one. or i just went to okay, the sound effect website and lo and one, behold there was already grunts two, and pushing sounds so three. it kind of worked out <laughs> does work um and this scene we have kim Giannopoulos right. as the worker the and she'll be joining the cast the recurring cast next episode as a different character but um it's good to see her now and here we have uh, Dave Morgan getting the crap beat out of him <laughs> as a uh, macabre. No, I'll ask. Again. And Jason R. Wallace is Ganymede. And if you've listened to the episode by now, which I hope you have, you know Ganymede's big reveal. Tattoo of a snake. Yep, which we will address uh, when we get to that scene. Um, now, where is it? One thing like, I have to mention. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say Dave does such an amazing job, sounding like he's getting beat up you know he had so many good takes so i kind of almost felt bad because <laughs> you he comes across so convincing uh, yes sir. yeah and macabre that's actually like the dude's first name like i didn't i i, mean, I just because his dad we'll get into this when we meet macabre but again later 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 uh, <laughs> i'm i'm turning in pride love you cat but i'm turning into cat pride saying um yeah you'll hear more about this later but uh, yeah, his dad just kind of named him Macabre because his dad thought it was funny. Um, Take it easy, Macabre. How sad. I know. Macabre just gets kicked around a lot, kind of like Macabre and you David Copperfield. Stay on the line. And the mysterious voice. Yes, the mysterious voice, who is given um, a name in the script, but we won't hear yet because that's also revealed. Um, but yeah, this is the mysterious voice. Our actor playing the mysterious voice has graciously agreed not to be credited for their part as a mysterious voice because I understand spoilers. That. Yes, spoilers, sweetie. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's two direct references in one commentary. Yes, we must continue this trend. Um, cool. Uh, but uh, speaking of this voice uh, and mixing it, I wanted to make sure I got across what you know you Jack wanted. So initially there was three versions of that. You picked one of those yes, and then sir. I, you know, made three other versions of the one you like. So in total there was like six versions of this modified voice. Mm -hmm. Um which I think the one we went with is so the coolest Liza, sounding one. Us, I yeah. I mean, I I was yeah, I, it was one of those things like I really wanted it to be different. And I know um Callan Kelly has already tried to like take it apart and find out who it is and it didn't work. So that's that's good. Yep, about yep. the memory loss. Um, but yeah, we also got our first mention of Gats, whom you're going to be hearing a lot about, um, but not going to meet for a while. It's fascinating, really. I've never seen anything quite like it. I'd love to have just a half-hour-long interview so we're back find out at exactly what she does. Organ so you're she's being honest. She organized really doesn't crimes. know. Yes. Um, oh, in the previous uh, um, scene, 
That At piece of music was by Zero Project, and it was called a Moonlight Requiem. Nice little driving song. I'm, I'm almost tempted to use it for the Mysterious Voices theme, because I really liked it. And it worked well, so I think that's going to become, I've decided, in this commentary, <laughs> that is a theme to the Mysterious Voice. Okay, cool. I like it. Jane Steele Dasso. And here we've got some uh, Kevin McLeod. Um, which... Toss out the last name. I Kevin McLeod does great what? stuff, but personally, <laughs> I'm going to try to stick to maybe Josh Woodward as our main composer dude. Um, but this was just too really? perfect for the She's dialogue. The so if I use Kevin, it'll be very well, yeah. And it's that like it's not like we don't like Kevin McLeod. It's that no, not at all. It's that you know, Kingery loves to use Kevin McLeod, and the line used a lot of it, and Vegas uses a lot of it. I'm sorry. And so um, we just kind of want the distance up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, especially since we're trying to go for a, a different sure sound. No offense, sir, but you're um, not the best at a sympathetic. So in here we're trying, we're we're seeing a side to the officers, like their Jane's not around, so we're kind of seeing them loosen up a little bit because they're amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, these guys have been working with each other for a long time. Yeah. Like they developed a repertoire, and then all of a sudden this lady's just kind of dropped into their laps, and it's like, oh. Decap, don't you dare bring decap oh, to this station, Pete, Velasquez. This I is love a your adlibs. That was another beautiful <laughs> touch by Chris Hackney. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, my big thing with Clark was I. Clark was one of the very, very few original characters I brought into this. Um, most of the other characters in this show, like Ganymede, Jane, is uh, Lakeisha. Basically, everybody except Clark was from something else I'd written before. So, you know, that never really saw the light of day. Even Christian Holdridge was from something I'd written before. And, um, I just, Clark was, I was having a lot of trouble finding Clark's voice, but having. Having heard Pete do it and Pete ad lib it. Hey guys, so we Jack and I sort of had a momentary moment. Hi there. Momentary moment. Um, we had an issue with technical issues, but we're back. We had a technical. I'm repeating myself. Anyway, Lakeisha's now into the interview room with Jane. So we switched music again, and we're back to. Uh, Josh Woodward, and this piece is called Dust. I had none. I like the flashbacky thunder. I I really you know because you you added in the in the um, script you wanted you know thunder to indicate a flashback, but uh I tweaked the thunder and you know added some effect to it so it made it more wibbly wobbly. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> We're just gonna keep doing it. Okay. Yes, we are. No, we are totally doing this. Uh. Doctor Who references for the win. Um, so yeah, the wibbly wobbly thunder is to indicate the flashback. You don't right. know where the burns on your eyes. And yeah, this this just kind of serves to qualify the um, the limitations of Jane's blindness and her knowledge of the way things work. Um, it's it is kind of memento-y. and um, you know, Pete kind of acknowledges that. Uh, I, I, it was an ad lib. I, I didn't acknowledge that when I wrote it, but Clark says it uh, in Pete's ad lib, so it, I think it works out. And then we're hearing more talk about the man with the snake tattoo. Who is he? I don't know. Dun dun dun. Oh, I know. It's quite all right. 
I hope you would know. What happened to you? I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just pulling this whole thing episode by episode out of my butt. I see. Try. I told Mr. And see here we've the instantly with hearing over the speakers we've transitioned back to the outside of interview room where Clark is overhearing. She's extremely. There's a Dr. Liza. Don't do that. Scaring Clark. Mm -hmm. Clark Sorry. has this thing about being old. He's not really that old. Like he's, I mean, he's in his late fifties, but he's not really, you know, he's not that old. Yeah. Late fifties, early sixties. You know, he's approaching retirement age. Lynn sounds so professional. It's like she actually does this. That was, I think that was one of the big things when he cast her was, um, she sounds like a doctor. Also, she sounds like she's from Chicago. She's from Milwaukee, technically, but you know, Chicago. On the phone for you, sir. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Why is he, Johnston? I want. And there's Johnston. There's a lot of mentions of Johnston too. And get Lakeisha to meet Velasquez. We're never gonna meet Johnston. I promise. We will never meet Johnston. Do we have to cast Johnston at one point? Nope. We will never meet Johnston. It's okay. Got it. Um, yeah, and we talk about how they have Macabre in there. That's not really going anywhere. Um, in the chaos that ensues over the next couple episodes, they'll just never get to him and let him go. But, uh, yeah. Got it. No, sir. No. So we yes. can just assume that time has passed. Um, no, I, I don't yep. see. It's been a couple um, hours now. Sir. Yeah. Yes. Word has spread yes, about right the that, bombing so. and how the senator has uh, escaped well, the bomber came near death. Forward. A reporter from Virginia calls himself George Pickett, trained at a terrorist camp in Bosnia. Yep, Bosnia. Like and that. also, they reference yeah, Matthew Allender, whom we will meet later down the line. He's everybody's boss. Is what, uh, I believe the technical term is a wackadoo. <laughs> wackadoo. That's, that's a that's Pete. Romeo and Juliet. Don't ask me what Romeo and Juliet has to do with blowing up a room full of people. I failed that class. Yeah, most of most of Pete's anyway, lines, I, I went with the ad lib. Well, not most of them, but a good chunk of them. The mm -hmm. But they they work. Isn't oh yeah. Case supposed to be classified. Isn't this Here, another uh, woodwork piece. Chicago, you get that, or you just kind of know that. Montague wants <laughs> Jane Doe rewarded somehow for saving his life. I really like this piece. It's called Private Hurricane. everyone's favorite boss, Allender. Apparently. Also, yeah, um, Mayor David Clowitz, uh, we will meet him, too, eventually, uh, but he's the mayor of Chicago, you guys, yeah. So you're saying he's hiring Jane Doe as a consultant, literally hours after she randomly appears on our doorstep? Well, that's sketchy. If not annoyingly by the book, Allen is a clean guy. I'm hoping he knows what he's doing. Regardless, we don't have a We've choice. reached the awkward the silence part of the commentary. I know, this is my yeah. first awkward silence commentary. This is weird. Well, we did it, what, nearly 20 minutes into the episode, so we're, we're doing good, I think. Do me a favor. I believe so. <laughs> Pat on the back. Woo! Oh, I will. Got it, Chief. Um, and here we are reaching the final stretch. Um, where it's a bunch of scenelets. Guys, it's um, and I was really happy with this piece of music here. again. It's Woodward. Um, uh, because yeah, it fit, let's see, one, two, three, um, the four scenes, because it's supposed to just wrap up the episode, and it fit right, under right. each scene. Else you're mm -hmm. Especially when the scene changes, the music changes, it was just one of those happy finds. It's been over 24 hours. Go home, see your kids. So. I'll walk you out. 
One thing we should mention with Raphael is um, we had a lot of trouble finding someone who had the three qualities of being able to pronounce Spanish, had decent audio quality, and could act. Um, and ultimately, we, we decided on Chris, which was good, but we still had to work with him a bit because his voice was more Speedy Gonzalez and not I grew up in Cincinnati and moved to Chicago. Right, and, but, and then he, after our suggestions, he totally... Yes, sir. Fixed it. Oh, and here comes the cutest part of the episode. Come here, boys. Yes. <sighs> Mac so Michael and Adam Morris, played by actual brothers, who are roughly the same age as they should be played, uh, played by Jeffrey and Maxwell Condell. And honestly, when their auditions came in, it was like, ah. Say thanks to Nam, We have Michael and Adam. Bye-bye, Nana. We also have Mindy Rask Keenan playing uh, Eleanor Bulo, who is Lakeisha's mom. And most of this line is just um, <laughs> Mindy talking into a microphone. Her line is literally like, mm -hmm, tell that daughter of mine to call me when she gets back here. Yeah. It also helped fit with the music change, so that's why I threw it in. It helped transition into the next scene. The length of her ad lib. <laughs> I see you found my audiobook collection. Yeah, I'm and this sorry, is introduced. Uh, one of the no, things in this no, original draft of this episode was it opened with about listen? a page and a half of Liza listening her, to David Copperfield, it, read by David Alt. Right um, and Jeffrey looked at it and he's like, Please. People don't really want to sit through this. And I'm like, And then he, yeah. So, yeah, that went, but. We're meeting David Dalt, who will be, be basically the only voice actor in this universe. Uh, um, <laughs> in, in terms of when something needs to be read, he'll be the one doing it. I am totally perfectly fine with it being David Alt. <laughs> I think so is everyone else. Yeah. Who doesn't love David Alt, honestly? But yeah, one of the original production concepts that I had in my head was, well, you know, there's a there's like a big reading of literary you know whatever and then it's ref you know it's like it references events later in the episode and at the beginning of this one it was miss betsy showing up at david copperfield's mom's door and just causing general havoc which is kind of what happens with jane um but that that just didn't well, end up happening did that's okay. that pasta? also there was another scene in here where um rafael went home and we met his dog and clark went home and we met his wife and that just didn't happen because um, no. Teresa thought that they were unnecessary. Oh, reveal. <laughs> Teresa was like, oh, that doesn't really work. So it didn't work, and we didn't end up keeping it. Oh, hi, Terry. Then they wouldn't have fit the song. <laughs> oh, you seem tired. I haven't seen you since yesterday. So, gasp. Ganymede is married to Detective Lakeisha yes, I was Morris. Yes. He is, uh, is Terry Morris. Um, now you tell me everything. And yeah, and he he works for a mysterious voice, and he's is now very getting a cop. He's now getting information from his uh, cop wife. I know it's very sinister. Mm hmm But yeah, so that's the whole episode. God, that was fast. It was. And this is our um, other theme, uh, "Back Home" by Mile Ninety Six. Mm-hmm. Um. I, their lead singer and lead keyboardist uh, is a friend of mine, 
and we were in a couple musicals together. And uh, he also posted this on Facebook. I'm like, oh, well, this is cool. Hey, do you think we could? And so, um, yeah. Hopefully we can get more original music, uh, you know, done by our friends or what have you in the show because it does work and it sounds cool. Right. And it does, uh, it makes it easier for me to find uh, music <laughs> to try to be unique. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jack was the one who suggested and came up with the opening theme and closing theme. So that made it a lot easier for me because I didn't have to go, oh, what am I going to put together for the theme of the show? And Jack did that work. Colin Kelly as George Pickett. Oh. Yay for making my job easier. Hey, okay. You're welcome, question mark. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, uh, Fiend. Edited by Jeffrey Bridges, See, Teresa Keller, Colin Kelly, and Brian Martinez. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the premiere episode of Tabula Rasa. Uh, please be sure to let us know what you thought of this brand new Pendant production. Oh, this is the part where we should plug Pendant and all the links. Yes, please visit um, the website at PendantAudio.com, the Twitter feed at Twitter.com slash PendantWeb, the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash PendantAudio, the Live uh, Journal community at Community.LiveJournal.com slash PendantAudio, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, yeah, and then the group page at Groups.Yahoo.com slash group slash PendantAudio. Yep. Thanks. Or just go PendantAudio and find all those links. Um, yes. So be sure to catch us next month for episode two. Yes, ep- season one, episode two, and the title of that is... I should know that. Hold on. Alone Wait. and Company. Alone and Company. I should know that. Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Right. Bye. Bye.